0: Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's stand together for reading God's Word. Hebrews chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in one of the pews in front of you. You can grab that. If you don't have one at home, you're welcome to take that home. Put your name in it. That's yours. But read it. It's not meant to be a paperweight or a dust collector. It's the Word of God. And it will change your life if you let it. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. And was not found because God had taken him. But before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is reward of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith." By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in a land of promises in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of, with him, with the same promise. For he waited for the city, whose foundations and builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in the multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth." For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And if truly they are called to that mind, that country, from which they had come out of, they would have the opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Father, thank you. Lord, may you meet not ashamed, God, to call us your children. Because we, Father, look to you, that we walk by faith and not by sight. Father, thank you for your word. God, may your word be that that we receive, God, as the implanted word that's able to save us. May it simply not become knowledge, Father, but Lord, may it transform us, God, as we apply it. And we thank you for that. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said... Throughout this passage, in fact, Hebrews 11 is probably called uh, the Hall of Faith, if you would. If there is any kind of hall that I want to go to, it's uh, not found in Canton, Ohio, or anywhere else. I can't wait to get to heaven and see the Hall of Faith, because you know what? They're going to be there, amen? And it describes to us that by faith... Now, I want you to point out something that in verse 13 and also at the very end of the chapter, verse 39, it tells us all these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. That's something that's hard for us sometimes because sometimes our faith becomes in the promise and not in God. And so today we begin to understand and recognize really what it means to walk by faith what it means to live by faith. Because many say, yes, I trust God. Many will say, yes, I walk by faith. But during the hard times, during the times of difficulty, then we really begin to identify, and it's real clear to us. Are we walking by faith? Now, it gives us uh, an important insight about these men and women of God. And last week, as we talked about a couple key components concerning faith, we saw that through Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. What a powerful testimony that God uses uh, a girl from Panama and how, how God would use her dad. I mean, only, only a dad can get through his daughter that way. Get right with God or he's going to take you out. Her testimony was she had not talked to her, her father in over seven years. And she hears from her dad. And God uses that to shake her enough to, to get right with God. <clears throat> and then she began seeking God, and God shows her this. first time she shot, she just thought she was seeing things. She said, you know, I think, you know, maybe I'm just being in here too long. I don't know what's going on. And he didn't know what to say. He said, well, if you see it again, write it down. I don't know. And just the way he said it, I mean, I wish you could have been there as he was talking and just giving the testimony. It was kind of like one of those things that, you know, I don't know, write it down. Then she writes it down, and he kind of looks at it and says, oh, it's like Greek to me. <laughs> and how God can use that to be a specific word for pastors in Ukraine. He had no idea what was going on there. God did. And so we need to understand when I was talking about that there's really a twofold thing there when it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Because first of all, it's talking that the only way that people know is by the preaching of the word of God. That's why it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But secondly, it's saying faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. In other words, we need to hear what God is saying. God has a specific word for us, amen? Amen. Too many times we take the word of God and we, we look at it as some generic thing. No, God wants to speak a direct word to you. There's two Greek words that really are the same word, word of God. One is logos, and it means the written word. But one is rhema, which means spoken word, because God wants to speak a word to you. And you know what? It's always going to line up with the logos, the written word. And we need to understand that that specific word, just as they got that in Ukraine. And you think, why would God do that? Why wouldn't God just use someone that that they knew and trusted? Because God knew their hearts. And how many know that sometimes pastors can be stubborn? Wow, they just... Wow. Apparently, you've known a few. (laughs) And so, these pastors have been arguing for 45 minutes. God knew exactly how to get their attention. God knew how to settle the matter using a woman in prison. By the way, she's gotten out of prison. She's already planted three churches in Panama. Can you say amen? (laughs) She called up and said, hey, would you kind of help our, our churches? And he goes, okay. He said, I don't know how we're going to do that. I don't know what that's going to look like, but he said, I'm excited about that. Isn't God good? So we need to recognize when it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word that God wants to speak to us. God has a specific word for us, and when we receive that word, we recognize that God is speaking right to us. As those pastors begin to recognize that word was for them, it settled the issue. Let the issue in your life be settled by the hearing of the Word of God. Don't wonder about it. Don't try to excuse it and say, well, it doesn't line up with what I'm thinking. God has a word for you. May our ears be open to hear that word, amen? We also learn that faith is not the object or an object. In fact, over 85 times, 85% of the time, you see the word faith in the word of God. It's describing your relationship with God. And as we see through this chapter what it means to walk by faith, we realize that the results of walking our faith are incredible. It's awesome. It changes our whole perspective. It changes our life. There are a few examples of the results of walking by faith that we see here. And we see that these, as it says more than one time, verse 13 and verse 39, I underline those because it reminds us that having received the promise, yet they did not live long enough to see the promise. They considered God faithful. They considered God faithful. You see, there are times that God is going to declare to us what he's going to do, but it's not for us to say, Lord, I want it now. How many times do we know that that's kind of what what happens, you know? We want the instant, you know? God, give me the microwave version. No, you don't want the microwave version. You don't. (laughs) Believe me, I grew up liking chocolate pudding. And mom made us take turns taking that pudding and adding the milk I'm not talking instant pudding. You just add water to it. No, that's not good stuff. Believe me, I'm a connoisseur of pudding, and I know. <laughs> but there were times that I was anxious. Now turn the burner up a little more because I thought maybe it'll get done quicker. Wrong. Then I ate it, and it was scorched, and it t- tasted horrible. And I learned my lesson. It was worth the wait. Sometimes you get lazy and wouldn't stir it. and What would happen? Get stuck to the bottom. Then you get those little kind of black things that aren't the nice little curlicues of chocolate They sometimes they put on. No, it's burnt. It doesn't taste very good. You know what? God has a word for us, and God wants us not to be satisfied or looking for the microwave version. He wants us to look for his promise. He wants us to understand that His promise is sure, but not to allow the promise to be the object of our faith because our trust is not in the promise, and we see the example of that here, don't we? Our trust needs to be in God. These men and women of God persevered. They did not give up, even though it tells us that they didn't receive the promise. And I like the way it says at the very last verse, verse forty it tells us why. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Can you say amen? It was for our sake that they didn't receive the promise God had something better for us. Amen? I'm glad about that. Many people say, well, man, it's not fair. You know, I mean, you know, if they didn't get the promise, how could they trust in God? Here's the answer, verse 40. We begin to realize God did that for us. Hallelujah. Makes me glad. How about you? You see, God has a plan, and we are not to rush the plan. Our trust is to be in God. We need to look and understand what God is doing. Look at verse 35 and 36 says in Hebrews 10 it reminds us, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. So that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. We see examples throughout the word of God. Even of those in Israel that drank from the water, from the fountains that were miraculous in the wilderness. And yet, they died. Why? They didn't endure. They didn't trust God. They found themselves looking to a promise. They found themselves looking to themselves. In fact, what happened when Moses went to the mountain? to hear from God. They became getting restless. They got restless and told Aaron, we don't know about this guy that brought us out of Egypt, so make us something that we can trust in. And he fashioned a golden calf. You read that and you begin to realize, you know, that happens, doesn't it? We get anxious and we look for something to put our faith in. And tragically, people begin to allow promises. People even begin to allow faith to be that. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? In our nation, there's a time really in the church world that we begin concentrating so much on faith that we had faith in faith. We didn't have faith in God. Faith during that time took on a whole different meaning. In fact, faith in that time almost became a currency. And people began to believe that if I could just have more faith, enough faith, I can buy from God whatever I need. That's not faith. That's not even concept of faith. But we realize here is this. These men and women that tells us by faith, these men and women that are described as God says, I'm not ashamed to be called their God, it's because they persevered. It's because they did not give up. It didn't matter what the circumstance was. It gives us the example of Abram and Sarai. In the face of impossible situations, Sarai, who was barren, she could not have children. Physically, it was impossible. And yet, God promised her, you're going to have a son. She put her faith in God. She put her faith in God that gave her the promise. She didn't look to the promise. Was it a struggle? Yes. Did it take time? Yes. Yes. But she trusted God. Abraham, who tells us that he was as good as dead. How, how, I'd like to have that as being your description. <laughs> There's Pastor Mark, good as dead. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Yet the word of God gives us that terminology to help us understand the situation. Here Abraham was as good as dead. In other words, he was past the ability to sire a son. Physically, it was impossible for him. Physically, it was impossible for Sarah. But God, the promise that God gave to them, even though they had to endure, even though they had to trust God, they believed that God was able. In fact, as you read the book of Romans in chapter 4, you begin to realize and see that it says Abraham believed. Why? He knew that God was a God that speaks those things and calls them that are not as though they were. In other words, God declares those things that are not, but he talks about them as though they were. You know why? He has the power to bring them about. Why does it say that? It says that so that we would come to understand and have that same faith that Abraham did that we can look in the face of a situation that's impossible. And instead of looking at the situation, allowing the situation to dictate our faith, we allow our trust in God to dictate what we look at that and how we look at that. That's a big deal, isn't it? When Abraham in that situation can say, he is the God that calls those things that are not as though they were. Abraham recognized that God had called something into his life did Abraham see the fulfillment of the promise? Did he see his generation and all that God said that it would be innumerable with all the stars and all the sand and seashore? No, he didn't. But he got to see the beginning and he got to see the start of God's promise fulfilled. He didn't give up. Sarah did not give up. Throughout Scripture, we see examples again and again. Of those that did not give up, you see the promise is going to be tested. the promise was tested in many ways, but Abraham was convinced that God had an ability to fulfill it. look at this in Romans 4:20 he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. Underline that. Let that sink into your spirit. Because we need to be fully convinced that our God is an awesome God. We need to be fully convinced that our God is able to fulfill His promise. In fact, God Himself in His Word says He watches over His Word to what? To perform it. And so are we going to allow our trust in God to be determined by what things look like or by God's word. There's a big difference there, isn't there? We see the example of Job. I want to point out the example of Job's wife because here are two people that really were diametrically opposed. Job, in the face of a situation where he lost everything, even his health. What is his declaration? Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. What is his wife's declaration? Job Give up your integrity, curse God, and die. Wow. It became obvious her faith was not in God, but in the substance of what she had. And when that disappeared, so did her trust in God. That's a powerful lesson to learn, isn't it? That sometimes the things on earth that we trust in are gone. Where's our faith? And it's that time, and during those situations, we begin to really identify where our faith is. We had a woman in our church. I had just started pastoring there. She actually uh, helped us purchase our first home. Heard on the radio that there was a fire in Braidwood. I, I recognized the address. In fact, I got a call, and this woman said, Pastor, my house is on fire. She was a single woman, with a teenage girl. I went, I actually got there, arrived before the fire department did. That's kind of scary. And all I could do is just stand there and, and pray with her. Those are situations that you don't know what to do. After that, we just said, you know, we're going to do anything we can to help you. And uh, I got my brother in law, and, and we went over and we just began working in her house and just did it for free because we wanted anything we can just to, to minister to her. And all of a sudden, something happened where she just kind of made a turn and she got angry. She got angry at God and she began accusing God of, of being unfaithful, saying, God is not a good God. Why would you do this? And then she said, And you're trying to take advantage of me. I was a what? I brought my brother in law and he's giving his time, I'm giving my time. We're not charging, we're even paying for the materials. What do you mean? She began telling the community, This pastor's terrible, he's trying to take me for all my money. What? How many know in situations like that, all of a sudden things get twisted? And I just pulled back. I said, "You know, I'm sorry for offering my help. I won't help you anymore." What else you do during those times? She came angry. Came to a place where she began to understand that her faith was not in God. Her faith was in what she had. She left the church. She got angry. She began telling people, "Can't trust God." Can't trust that pastor. I was brand new. It's like, well, not a good way to begin. (laughs) Oops. (laughs) I'm not going to volunteer to help anybody anymore. No, that's not the right choice to make. But sometimes that happens, doesn't it? I will say that these years later that now she's not only back right with God, she actually went through and now she has credentials and she's ministering god is faithful even when we are not isn't that awesome you see we have a god that loves us unconditionally in a situation like that we could very easily say in fact humanly i could say i'm sorry no she's not qualified she didn't trust god Aren't you thankful that our God loves us unconditionally and is a God of second, third, and fourth, and fifth, and sixth, okay, (laughs) chances? She learned a valuable lesson. She learned and recognized that her faith was not in God. Her faith was in what she had. And during the times like Job, when those things all of a sudden disappear, we begin to realize where our faith really is. And during those times, it's difficult, isn't it? During those times, it's easy to get angry. But instead of getting angry at God and looking for the reasons why, we need to cry out to God. Mark 9, 24 says, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief if you read that, is powerful. Here's this man that his son has been tormented by demons, thrown into fire many times, and he brings his son of the disciples, Jesus' disciples, and they couldn't do anything. And he is desperate. He's coming to Jesus, and Jesus says this, all things are possible to him who believes. a powerful word, and in desperation, instead of this man being angry and said, don't give me a bunch of words, that's not helping me. He could have stormed off and said, forget you. But what did he do? He cried out. He said, Lord, I believe. But look at what he, how he finishes this. Help my unbelief. You see, sometimes we don't focus and recognize that there's unbelief that has taken control of our life. It's crept in and it's like, entwined in us. And while it's easy for us to declare with our mouth that our trust is in God, that unbelief is there, isn't it? It is a hold on us. Instead of getting angry, instead of asking God why, recognize you don't, you're not going to understand the why anyway, cry out to God. Cry out in this same fashion as this man, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You know what? God understands and knows what you're dealing with. You're not going to fool God by declaring with your mouth, Oh God, I, I trust in you. Oh, yeah. No problem, God. He knows your heart. You're not going to fool God. Cry out to him. Let him know, God, I'm struggling. He is faithful. You see, when you cry out to God, You remove the focus off yourself and put it on God. That's what needs to happen. We need to remove the focus off ourself, off our situation. We need to remove the focus and get back to a place because God is the only one that can help us. That's why many times you know, I struggle when I'm trying to help people and it's like they just get angry and they, they curse God and they just say, you know, we're giving up. You know, you, you know Pastor, you lied to me. You, you told me that God would be faithful and he's not faithful. And Man, what do you do in situations like that? And I encourage them to say, you know what? God is faithful. Don't look at the situation. Look to God. Trust in God. And sometimes man, it's not easy. Sometimes it's not easy being that, in that place Sometimes it's not easy even being in a situation where you're trying to help someone, that they're just angry. All they want to know is why. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? Instead of crying out and saying, God, help me. Help me to look to you. We see the example here in Hebrews 11. We see that even in the hard times, even in the difficult times, that these people... They walk by faith. How? Because they set their direction and their destination on the kingdom of God. In fact, it's so powerful as it says it, and just even the way it says it. Look at this. These all died in faith, then having received the promise, having seen them afar off, were assured of them and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. <clears throat> And truly, if they had to called in mind a country which they had come out of, they would have an opportunity to return. But now they desire that as a heavenly country. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God. He has prepared a city for them. You see, they had set their destination, their direction on the kingdom of God. They decided nothing on earth was worth focusing on that. But they set themselves to God. I like the way it says that. They had opportunity if they would have. They could have thought about where they came from. They could have returned, but they refused to even think where they came from. Why? They had set their direction, they set their destination on heaven. That's a powerful example of what it means to persevere. That's what it means to walk by faith. You see, that's why God was not ashamed to be called their God, because they were all in. They did not make a choice and say, well, I'm going to decide and just kind of see how things weigh out here. Do you realize that's kind of society we live in today? That people will trust God as long as God lines up with their desires? But what did Jesus say? He reminded us that we can't serve two masters. In Matthew 6, he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hold to the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Mammon is really translated money. You see, their single purpose was to serve God. In fact, if you study the minor prophets, talk about guys who just get the the low end of the stick. God calls them to tell Israel to get right or there's going to be consequences of their rebelling against God. Many of them were killed. How's like that assignment? Ron, I'm going to call you to be a prophet and they're going to kill you, okay? You good with that? Thank you. Wow. As you read these, you begin to you see... They were declaring to Israel, "You have sought other, other gods. You have turned from the one true God, And unless you repent, God is going to judge you." Now there's a lot of people look and say, "Oh man, how, how could God be such a vengeful God? How could God just judge people like that? That's not the question. The question is, how could they, after all that God did for them, turn from God? What were they thinking? God, who answered them, and now they're praying to a dumb idol. I'm not talking about a stupid idol, but an idol that can't speak, an idol that is stone or wood. And yet they turn and begin to worship them when the one true God spoke to them, when he loved them. And you see that God's desire, all through the entire prophetic passages, is to be restored. God's desire was not to render judgment upon them. His desire was to restore them. His heart is to restore because our God is a God of restoration. In fact, you see the example in the early missionaries. Early, if you were called to be a missionary, it's not like today. Today, man, we just, they go through an incredible, intense uh, cultural studies, studying on, you know, really even psychological to see if they can really be able to handle, because these are people that are going to go. They're pretty much leaving everything they know, going to another country. Missionaries, early missionaries, you know what they did? They bought a one-way ticket. They packed all they had in a wooden coffin because they weren't planning on coming back. They were all in. They recognized God called them. There was not a choice of, what am I going to do when I come back? Where am I going to live when I come back? What kind of car am I going to have during my generation? No, it wasn't anything like that. It was, I'm going because God called me, period. We struggle with that because it seems like we always make allowances. Have we done that in our life? God, I'm going to trust you, but if somehow you don't come through, I have plan B. (laughs) No, that's not all in. That's not walking by faith. But see, we want to describe that, and we want to set ourselves up as we say, I'm going to set myself up for success. Success is not plan B. Success is, God, I'm trusting in you. God, I'm going to set my direction, my destination upon you, and I'm not going to turn to the right or the left. There was a pastor <clears throat> went to Hemet, California. If you look it up, Hemet, California is in a valley. It's in a place, in fact, I don't know about you, but I really don't care for California. <laughs> but this was one of those places was called the meth capital of the world. I was like to the pastor there. Hey, I, Pastor Mark, I pastor in the meth capital of the world. <laughs> Just outside of town, less than a half mile from his church, on the hill, was a transcendental meditation <clears throat> facility. It <clears throat> affected a lot of people. He pleaded with God and said, God, release me from this assignment. Send me anywhere. Send me to Africa. He actually said that. He pleaded with God, release me. I don't want to be here. How's that for brutally honest? Finally, coming to the place, he said, But God, if you've called me here, I will stay. And in the midst of that, God said, I want you to buy a cemetery plot for you and your wife. I'm going, What? Well, certainly now must not be God. Can you imagine if things are going through his eye going through his mind? I guess I'm going to die pretty quick here. But he did that in obedience to God, He said, "God, I don't understand why I don't know why you're saying this, but God, I'm going to do that." He began praying and believing God for breakthrough. He said, "God, if you have me here, then I need breakthrough." And he began talking to another pastor who said the same thing who secretly said, oh, my wife and I have had our bags packed ever since we came. That thought, wow, I'm in good company, I guess. <clears throat> and this other pastor admitted and said, I'm looking for the opportunity to leave. In fact, if I get a phone call to go anywhere else, I'm gone. And he challenged him and said, would you pray with me? Can we meet together and pray and fast and believe a breakthrough? They began meeting and praying. And you know what? God began moving. It started with a, a freak lightning storm that struck the Transcendental Meditation Place and burned it to the ground. True story. And then these meth places began closing up. They just began drying up and closing up. And they kept praying. They said, God, you're up to something. Then it happened. One of the guys who was in charge of these meth places realized that that the answer must be at the church. He came with a loaded gun, walked on the middle of the aisle during the middle of service when his pastor was preaching. And his purpose was to kill that pastor right then and make a statement and say, you are not going to take us out. We're going to take you out. The young man didn't get any further than the third row from the front. And he stopped. He couldn't move any further. He tried. He was like, there's a shield right there. He couldn't move. He was stopped. The pastor st- stepped off the platform, went over, and said, Welcome. God loves you. Not even knowing the intention of this young man. Came to the altar, and the young man fell on his face before God. The pastor didn't know what to do, so he called some altar workers and said, continued his sermon. The young man afterwards came to his office, put the gun on the desk and said, I came to kill you with that gun. But I'm leaving that gun here because something got a hold of me. I don't know what it is, but I don't want that anymore. I don't want what it represents My life needs to change. God began doing breakthrough. They began seeing principals of the school get saved, teachers get saved. Policemen were getting saved because they wanted to know what's going on. What is causing these drug places to dry up and just disappear? Is happening on their own. They weren't going in and busting these places. They were just drying up. And they said, Something is happening. God did it so supernaturally. And the pastor and his wife, when they were sitting down and, and just kind of looking at just the way things started, they mapped it back to the day that him and his wife sat down and signed the papers saying, We purchased these plots. God spoke to him and said, I needed to know you were all in. The question is today, are you all in? You see, we overcome through Jesus Christ. We overcome when we're all in. Look at this in Revelation 12:11. They overcame him by the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Many times we miss this last part. They did not love their lives to the death. They were all in. My friend, we overcome today by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. God wants to move. God's will is to break through with power. God's will is to have breakthrough in St. Peter, to have breakthrough in Minnesota, to have breakthrough in America. But God is looking for those who will say, God, I'm all in. I don't have a plan B. I'm all in. Father, thank you. God, that you love us so much. Lord, you are patient with us. Thank you that your word even declares that and says that, Lord, you are long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to everlasting life. Father, forgive us. God, when we are looking for a plan B or a plan C. God, forgive us, O God, when we determine our success is based upon our decision, what we do. And God, not upon you. But Lord, today, God, may we declare and say, I choose to walk by faith and not by sight. I choose to walk by trusting in God. Father, thank you for that we just give you praise for that. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to ask you that if you right now in your heart will say, God, I'm all in. I'm going to walk away from my plan B. That's not an option. My trust is going to be in you. God, I understand it's not going to be easy. I understand that it's not going to be Real quick and simple. But God, I thank you that you're faithful. My faith is in you and not the promise you make to me. If that's you this morning. I just want you to stand up right where you're at and say, God, I'm all in. I put my faith in you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Please don't stand up just because your neighbor is. Don't stand up because it looks popular. But stand up because in your heart you've said, Lord, I'm going to walk by faith. And some of you this morning, you're saying, God, I'm not sure what that looks like. And I'm not sure even what's ahead of me. But God, thank you that I can put my trust in you. God, I'm thankful that you are trustworthy. I'm thankful, Father, that, Lord, you will fulfill your word. I'm thankful, Father, that, God, you are faithful when I am not. And so, God, I'm yours. I'm all in. Just lift your hands up. You should be able to worship him right now. Father, I pray, God, that you'd begin to speak to your people right now. God, you have seen them. And you have heard the confession of the faith. And Father, I pray, O oh God, as your word commands us to in Hebrews 10, that, Lord, we will hold fast to that confession. God, that we would not look back. That, Father, even in the times, God, that seem desperate, that, Lord, those times we would cry out to you because we realize that, Father, you alone are faithful. You alone in the midst, Father, of the most perilous times, God, you are the one that's faithful. You are are able father may we receive that word that that Jesus spoke all things are possible to him who believes thank you for that and we receive that today father and we say yes to you thank you for that thank you for that hallelujah just thank him this morning just thank him hallelujah thank you Jesus thank you father father Lord, I thank you, God, that you're going to give direction. God, you're going to make it clear. God, I thank you, Father, that, Lord, you're going to even speak to us specifically. Because, God, you have longed and waited for those who will say, Lord, I am yours. I set my direction and my destination on the kingdom of heaven. And I will not look back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Can I tell you, if you will begin to hear his voice, what I'm saying is this. You need to extend the time you have with God. But don't extend that time by talking more. (laughs) But extend that time by waiting in his presence. hearing his voice some of you say pastor it's difficult for me to hear God's voice then get into the word of God you'll begin to hear what he sounds like because everything God says will line up with his word begin to do that and as you are quiet before God you're going to begin to hear him you know why because Jesus said my sheep know me and they hear my voice Jesus already said You're going to hear his voice. Now, if Jesus said it, you can believe it. Amen? He's a good God. God bless you.